The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Manick. I am joined by Colin Drew and Andrew Barron. Probably one of the last times Colin and I are, are going to be doing a show together. He's leaving uh, for, for greener pastures, and he, you know, he just he really is not trying to spend his entire life arguing with me about uh, McCall Hardman versus Byron Pringle's projection, which I, I think is understandable. The, the projections are customizable, as we always say. So I'll still be uh, still be auditing your projections. I'll just be doing it doing it on my own time. And obviously, it's been a great few years working with you guys. So bittersweet for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know what? What better way? What better way than to uh, to look at a three game slate with Andy Dalton and oh, yeah. Trevor Simeon and Tony Jones <laughs> Jr. Uh, you know, prominently involved. I mean, Andrew, it is it is setting up as a great. Uh, game theory bro slate because it, it it seems as if the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills are are just going to be um, like beyond owned yeah it seems that way it's 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 pretty obvious I think there's some pretty clear chalk um, the Bills I actually am finding to be somewhat positive leverage just because they're so much better of a play um, in a lot of ways and it's it's essentially a pick'em slate when it comes to probabilities which I think is an interesting macro thing to bring up overall when you sim this slate when I sim the slates in general usually there's a component of like hey what's the probability this guy is one of the top you know five skill position players the top tight end the top QB etc and it and it builds the perfect lineup um, out of a bit of that and some of their value in this one you can just turn it straight up raw projection and like it still only comes to a cap that's about 2000 short so you from a simulation perspective this is really a pick it doesn't mean you can just play the most expensive player at every position but like you can get um, the highest possible expected value lineup for less than fifty thousand or sixty thousand dollars really like a lineup that is well within the possible range of outcome like the confidence interval on what the projection will be for each person is is um variable enough that we can kind of do whatever we want so you know that that's your kind of slate too bud it's it's got something for everybody it's got something for everyone uh you know we got lots of uh crappy dallas wide receivers to choose from uh we're going to be trying to to figure out the buffalo backfield lottery i think that can you know come into play so injuries that we are monitoring for this slate uh, basically is it maybe there is like some chance that CD lamb is able to play. I think it's like very, very thin. I don't think he's been officially ruled out um, at this point, but then the, the big ones are Alvin Kamara is questionable and Mark Ingram is also questionable, which basically 
throws the entire state into flux. You know, if you thought there was any chance of, uh, you know, a relaxing evening with your family, that's not happening. Yeah. And it's, it's always tough. We'll get some more practice info. We're doing this Wednesday morning. We'll get some more info from the saints as far as whether Ingram's able to practice at all today. And that I think Kamara, they've been ruling out pretty early and he hasn't practiced yet this week. Wasn't at the walkthrough, didn't practice yesterday. So my, my guess is like Kamara, even though his list is questionable is extremely doubtful Ingram, I think we'll know tonight whether or not he is, you know, a true questionable um, or whether or not he's pretty doubtful too. But if, if you got to build with Ingram in, that is for sure a big one. Um, and then I guess for the showdown grinders, Daniel Carlson, questionable for the Raiders. Justin oh, Fields, Allen Robinson, a kicker. both probably out for the Bears. Um, yeah. And I think those are the, the main ones. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to do game by game for these three Thanksgiving games. Uh, we have the first game, the Chicago bears at the Detroit lions. And, you know, I guess I wish that uh, I felt good at all about, you know, touting Jared Goff and, and that Goff is fully healthy for this game. Cause it, it does look like he's going to be back because you could see Goff being, because the bears defense has just been so poor. I mean, you know, they just lost a home game to Tyler Huntley, who actually played a little bit better uh, as a passer than I anticipated. Like I, I could see uh Goff and, and, you know, the fact that there are, um, you know, he's got a bunch of cheap wide receivers, right? Hawkinson is cheap relatively. Josh Reynolds is is minimum salary. Amon Ross St. Brown is 4,200. Khalif Raymond is 4,600. Like there are um, guys you could play with him and he is going to be the lowest owned quarterback of the six available, but I just have no, I have no faith there. Yeah, hilarious leverage spot here where it's like, Technically, the second highest leverage <laughs> score on this slate is the Detroit um, game because they are, you know, like a Goff, Hawkinson, Josh Reynolds stack is something like nine, ten percent to be optimal and is going to be four or five percent owned. So, I mean, make of that what you will. Like a nine, ten percent optimal on a main slate is like is monstrous. You know, like that's nearly Chiefs territory. So, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty positive. But like. I don't want a ton. I don't know, Colin, you're, we tend to think similarly. Are you willing to dive too deep into Detroit other than like your, you know, your throwaway 10% just for, for the hell of it? Uh, yeah, not diving too deep into Detroit, probably not diving too deep into Goff. I think I'm like, you know, the, because it is closer to a pick'em slate, it's like, it, what are the chances that Goff is going to be the highest Ross scorer on the slate? And that just feels like extremely thin. And I think, yeah, so probably not going to go there, but I I do think that some of the individual wide receivers have, well, they're obviously the probabilities are that they're a bit more likely to get there. So I think all of them are positive leverage, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, like the salary, even though Raymond is a little quote unquote overpriced, the salary doesn't matter quite as much in the slate. And so, yeah, if these guys are going to be 5% owned, like I probably want each of them in like 10% of lineups and, you know, they're probably just one of them, probably not multiples. Um, but I think if one of them gets there, then I think there's a reasonable chance that one of them has a good enough game to crack like a winning lineup. I think the sharp yeah. way to attack this game leverage wise is actually because like we do have one very chalky piece and that's going to be David Montgomery. So like the bears passing stacks are going a little bit under owned and then Deandre Swift is going a little bit under owned. So I think if you're doing more in like your 20 max, you know, you can do three or four of those that have Swift and a bears passing attack. That's like, 
contrarian, but not insane, like playing a bunch of Jared Goff stacks. Yeah, I mean, Josh Reynolds at 3,000 feels like he can get like 10 or 11 here and and make optimals fairly easily. I just don't think like 3,000 matters that much. So it's like, right, right. Amonra St. Brown can get 10 or 11 too. And so can Khalif Raymond. Like, so yeah, I guess he definitely can. He did play 95% of snaps his first game with them. Trinity Benson was out that game. So just keep an eye on inactives as he's active. Maybe they rotate stuff more, but it seems like it'll be Reynolds, Amonra St. Brown, and Khalif Raymond as the three wide receivers. Well, how how are you? How are you Darnell Mooney, Reynolds, though, do you like Darnell Reynolds best because of the shower narrative, or is this just you just like like why Reynolds over St. Brown or, or Raymond? Because he because I've always kind of thought Josh Reynolds is like a little decent. Um, like I, I this was like a big argument in like uh 2018. I, I think Woods and Cup were like both, or maybe it was back when Cooks was on the team or something, and I just remember getting into arguments, but I, I think he's decent, and I also think coming in as How a those free agent and and I think he did okay. He, he has good games. Yeah, I think I think yeah, he, he I think yeah, I think he, he did all right. Van Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, and and also, yeah, like I just think Reynolds is like a competent NFL wide receiver. He's played with Goff before. He came in off the street and immediately led them in snaps. So like, I, and and maybe the three thousand doesn't matter, but also maybe it could. You know, if it allows you to play uh, Allen, Zeke, Diggs. And, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift or whatever, like allows you to jam in a bunch of the high price guys and all the high price guys end up getting there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about Detroit kind of enough and like, you know, where, where I was leaning with this is that we should get into the Chicago passing attack a little bit because Andy Dalton is going to throw, um, Darnell Mooney and he had a great connection last week. We've got, you know, Darnell Mooney and Marquise Goodwin both played a ton of snaps last week and are both very very fast so like those are typical home run hitters i'm intrigued there because they're not getting played and david montgomery is going to be super super popular and detroit's defense is really bad so like i don't know i think i think it's worth getting pretty significantly over the field on chicago stacks yeah i I think it makes sense so what i usually do i look at like optimal percentage compared to the, the ownership projections and if it's negative leverage maybe i'll play a guy up to his optimal percent if it's positive leverage maybe i'll play him up to two times his optimal percent so to me, that would definitely mean getting over the field on Goodwin, Mooney, Cole Komet, could consider an up to 20% of lineups, and then um, under the field on David Montgomery. I am a little bit higher on him than our projections are. I think Andy Dalvin will check it down more to David Montgomery than Fields did, and so like I'd probably play him closer to like 15% market share of targets than I would eight, um, but still, he's going to be massively popular on this slate. Yeah. Um, what about the, the one thing I did notice was Jamal Williams is the running back minimum at 4,000. Uh, you know, not that he has like this amazing role or anything, but I mean, Jamal Williams has got to have like a decent probability of outscoring every bills running back, all of which are, are going to garner some owner, you know, you know, eight to 12% on, uh, all of the Buffalo bills running backs or, or something like that. And I mean, we have, we have Jamal Williams as one of the better leverage plays at, uh, at the running, you know, 3% owned, but about 9% to make the optimal roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like his role, the first like three weeks of the season, like he was so good, like yeah. a light swift, like he was getting a lot of passing down reps. He was getting targets from Goff, and, you know, those went away. He was injured for a period of time, did come back last week, was eased in a little bit more, but like Swift has just been so good that they're also trying to lean on him a bit more. So 
I think you're right. I wasn't going to be the one to bring up Jamal Williams, but somebody had to. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do. I, I think he is. Um, I do think he is a pretty pretty legitimate play. Uh, I mean, so I guess my thought is David Montgomery mega chalk seems bad one because you're locked in and it doesn't leave you uh the swapping stuff with the saints two you know josh jacobs is going to be half his own to third is owned and has a very similar range of outcomes and then uh you know we have guys we have guys like pollard and the bills running backs like i don't know it just feels like uh a 70 percent owned david montgomery i mean one it can it can totally punish you and you have to spend the rest of your thanksgiving looking at a bunch of dead lineups but no david montgomery but uh, the converse is looking at the 8.4 points with the snowflake all of thanksgiving also has the potential to make you pretty miserable yeah you get out of there you've i mean I, this is really easy for me, but I also like him very much. Uh, I just make the decision and ride with it. Like I'm probably going to play like 20% David Montgomery. And if it kills me and I'm done early, whatever. But I just think he's kind of a bad play for all of those contextual factors. You said he's probably going to be the highest known player on the slate period. So I'm just yeah. coming in way under like, I mean, you've even got, you want to like a wacky play that isn't insane is Demir Bird at like less than 1% owned. He ran 25 routes last week to Goodwin's 29, and Goodwin is going to be 6 7% owned. I mean, it's a three-game slate, so we are diving very deep. But like Demir Bird played most of the snaps last week, and he was out there running routes, and Andy Dalton can can throw. Like he's – I don't know. I, I, I just really find the Bears uh, passing attack attractive, especially when you talk about the David Montgomery 80% owned thing. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I would just say like if you believe he's going to get – like up to 15% of targets, he's actually going to project ahead of Zeke. And so the optimal probability that we have there is going to be higher than that. It's going to be closer to 50%. So, oh, cool hedge. Uh, it, well, it was just weird. He literally, like, he, I think he, our projection is low on him. Like, I think he literally didn't get targeted optimal. last week, though. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, that's neither here nor there. And, and it, it's weird to adjust from one quarterback to another, especially when their play styles are so different in the middle of a game, but also, They've had, you know, two days to practice and Matt Nagy's been, according to reports, he's been told he's going to get fired after this Thursday game. And then he said he wasn't, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of a mess. This is clearly the least attractive game for fantasy purposes. And people are, are kind of hesitant to use the early guys in their lineups anyway. So that that's really all I got is that these are, this is the contrarian game. Yeah. You can at least get a million dollar screenshot. If you full game stack this game. Yeah. yeah. Darnell Mooney, um, 206 air yards, aka Sklansky yards last week. You know, yeah, he uh, got he got 15 targets. Like it, it just was yeah. like every play they were throwing to him, which was um insane. I so our our next game, the Las Vegas Raiders playing at Dallas. This is the game where if you have like a soul read, um, is is clearly the way to attack because there are a bunch of there's a, a bunch of stuff up in the air, right? Because we have the combination of Amari and CD not playing. Blake Jarwin is on the IR. So they haven't used any of these guys, right? McKeon, Sprinkle, Noah Brown. They they really have not used um any any of these guys. I mean, I Simi Fahoko is going to be active for the first time since week three. My my take is that this is going to be a Pollard game and and that Pollard is going to play some actual wide receiver here and they're going to do more to running back stuff so that's how I'm going to attack it uh what, what are you thinking about this this uh, incoming Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson shot Colin 
I'm thinking I'm going to onslaught Dallas with all my DAC lineups to try to get a little differentiation without just like not playing Dallas because they are in such a good spot and such a short slate. And so one of the things like last year when I was studying the three game in the short slates was that a lot of the field will stack these games, right? They'll stack with two Dallas players, but the percentage of the field that goes super deep into like four man stacks compared to the top 1% lineups has historically presented positive leverage. So I think those guys are right. They're good plays. They're good values on the slate. They're going to be good one-offs as part of Buffalo stacks. But I think by playing three of them, I think you do differentiate yourself, especially when you're mixing in lineups that have like Pollard and Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown and stuff like that. So I think there are ways to get unique, even with Dallas builds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on, on those Dallas builds, Andrew? I like that. I hadn't really considered that, but I think that's a very astute point. It's like it, We'll do, it's funny because this is, Thanksgiving is traditionally the first super short slate of the year. And then we start to get a bunch of them. So we get into this thinking each year. And this is the one where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm kind of rusty, but he's right. That's a, that's a great way to think about it, where you can just play these massive onslaughts where four or five people on the same team is not going to work really on an 11 game slate. It's kind of drawing dead, but on a three game slate, yeah, only one team scores over 30. Like it's probable that four, four of those guys are going to be optimal. You can even rack the defense with it. Uh, from a broader standpoint, like Dallas and Las Vegas passing is going to be the other like big time shock. So like people are, there's going to be a lot of David Montgomery in the first game and then a passing attack stack one way or the other on this game. Um, so just worth noting that that's the most popular thing. And obviously it's more popular than it is to be optimal. So doing something weird, like Colin is suggesting is, is it's the single entry guys like Davis, you've been playing more single entry. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to play Josh Jacobs and Darnell Mooney instead of David Montgomery and Hunter Renfro. Like that's just an easy two V two swap that changes your projections, maybe down a point or two, but provides massive reduced ownership. So that that's like a pretty easy single entry decision for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a couple of the single entry angles that are, are pretty interesting. I mean, the, the, the one that really leaps out to me is playing Schultz and Waller together in this game, uh, you know, because people are going to want one, you, you know, that they're just kind of, there's three games. Oh, I got to leave my flex open for the late game for, um, you know, all, all of the, the swap potential. And I, I actually think Schultz is probably just going to get his ass targeted off in this game. I, I think, I, I think Dalton Schultz might play every snap on offense for Dallas and, and, it might even lead them in targets because he plays, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. He plays uh, in the slot and Gallup is, is just a pure outside wide receiver. And uh, you know, no, Noah Brown and Malik Turner and Simi Foco, these guys are just not any good, you know, like how many times have I had to see Noah Brown drop a pass? Like he, he, he the, the Cowboys offense looks terrible without Amari in CD. Uh, and, and if you really want to be a hardo, you know, that that systemic risk of them looking really bad without those guys is very real. Like I could see this being a super disappointing spot for them. Yeah. Look what happened last week. You know? Yeah. They looked all, I mean, they, they looked so bad. Like it was, it was not good. And that's two of the last three, right? They were really bad three weeks ago, like in Dak's first game back. So, I mean, it's a high powered offense, but like they can lay an egg and on a three game slate where they are going to be the overwhelming chalk. It's pretty, you know, especially like a kind of gimmicky outside receiver like Gallup, who is going to need to convert a 40 yard target to like to, to be optimal, I think. 
Yeah, and you Gallup, can't... Gallup is not Gallup is not gimmicky. Gallup Gallup will see Cedric Wilson's pretty solid too. Sure. I like Wilson better than I like Gallup, to be honest. Well, Wilson, Wilson is gonna get to play the slot snaps here. Um yeah, I mean Wilson, Wilson is one of the better value plays we've ever seen on on a Thanksgiving slate. Uh and and I I think that I I mean I think that Schultz is also really uh, I think he's about that good as well. Yeah, and you, you glossed over it like a tiny bit. You did address it though, and two tight ends on the slate is definitely viable. We actually have yeah. like really strong tight ends on the slate relative yeah. to how dust the tight end position generally is. And between Waller, Schultz, Dawson Knox has been heavily targeted by Josh Allen over the last four weeks as well when he's been active. So, and then Hawkinson, Cole Komet, like these are all guys that are second options in, in some cases on their teams. So for right. sure, tight end and flex, like if you run your optimizer without that normally on like check it back in. Yeah. When yeah. Michael Gallup and Hunter Renfro are the top two receivers on the slate, like tight end, double tight ends is pretty viable. Obviously no, no disrespect to Steph Diggs who we will talk about shortly, but yeah. So on the Raiders side, um, you know, that like one, you know, Renfro and Waller are going to project the strongest. We have Brian Edwards, who is just an all time, uh, wind sprinter at, at this point. I mean, just what, what, a, what a wind sprinter, 83% snap share last week against Cincinnati. They're trailing the entire time. He doesn't even generate a target. Um, and then we have another, another, honestly, another famous wind sprinter in Zay Jones. We're getting, uh, about 75% of the snaps. And then Deshaun Jackson is the opposite of a wind sprinter. He barely plays, but when he's out there, he gets targeted and you want to talk about a guy who could potentially break the uh, the the Thanksgiving slate if you don't have him? Deshaun Jackson, two targets, 112 yards, and a touchdown is uh, I don't know. That's like one percent probability of happening or something. But I I could very easily see him being the guy you need for the Thanksgiving million dollars. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely conceivable, and I think that's the kind of stuff I want to do if I'm going to be playing 30 percent plus Owen Derek Carr is is getting a little wacky like that playing some some weird pieces with him the idea of you know onslaughting them uh with josh jacobs and being like okay this is the raiders just put up 30 and no one else does because you know the bill's best offense here but they have a really tough matchup against the saints and they have not looked good either lately so dallas like clear right we have these big totals but there's more variability in this slate than you'd think like there's a few bad teams that people are going to want to avoid but dallas and buffalo despite being sort of reputationally two of the top couple offenses in the NFL, there's holes there. There's well, the real... secret is just that every team is bad in the NFL now. Every every sure. team is bad and can get yeah. shut out or can score like three points. Yeah, like points the on Dallas all week. line like under twenty point five or something. You're like that. That could actually happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, that's that's very. Jackson real. did play thirty percent of snaps last week, so it like it was the second week with the team. He played fifteen percent first week, only had one target. He played thirty percent last week, no targets, but. Like he'll probably get two deep shots and yeah, maybe, maybe he can go for 60 and a touchdown, but uh, that's probably good enough on the slate. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it probably is. And then, I mean, so we have this, this Waller ownership projection looks a little uh, insane to me, Andrew, but we have him as, as, you know, clearly the most tight owned tight end of the slate. If he, if he approaches this uh greater than 50 percent ownership he i i don't know i mean i do think i'll just play schultz and and knox and not touch waller at that percentage yeah it's funny so like this is actually accounting for 
it's only got like one, I want to say it totals to like 1.11 tight ends per lineup on DraftKings, and he is projecting for close to 70% on. He's just so much stronger of a play. Like, I mean, I, I get why it's going to happen, but um, I'm, I'm with you. Like it's, he's not worth being owned that much, but um, he's, he's definitely the one alpha tight end and you can afford him. So he's going to get played a lot. The other thing worth like, worth mentioning is that on the shorter the slate the more prone to outliers getting like real wacky um the algo is um usually it it will have like one or it can it can miss on the ends of the spectrum like the highest projected owned guys are generally where it's going to miss if it's going to and so the shorter the slate the more likely that is to happen so probably one or two of these 70 percent owned guys is only 45 percent owned but i'm not exactly sure what that is yet Uh, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Renfro as a bring back. I mean, I, I think I, I think I would just rather at these percentages, just do no bring backs with the, um, with the Raiders. Cause I, you know, actually funnily enough, if you remember the Cowboys last year, uh, very similar spot against, uh, against a bad team. Uh, they just get ab- they just get absolutely ran at home last year versus the Washington football team. They score uh, 16 points on offense. Uh, Andy Dalton has one passing touchdown and it w- I, uh, so Amari ended up being um, the bring back in that game, but I don't know. like Renfro at at 50 ish percent ownership or whatever. I, I would rather play anyone uh, anyone in that price range from New Orleans, Buffalo, just for the swaptions too, I think. Buffalo just don't have sure. any rules. All of your normal rules that you set up for a main slate, throw them, don't like, you know, you're going to want to point yourself in a certain direction, but anything you force, like you should absolutely allow offensive players against your defense. You absolutely should not force a bring back. You absolutely should not say don't play, you know, running back with a high market share of carry with the top receiver on his team. Like all of that stuff that I normally do not allow on a main slate, like I'm absolutely allowing because you have to. It's like it's just wait with only three games. Some team scoring 35 is is basically makes all bets off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, like no rules like the rules i'm using are to try to generate leverage rather than to try to like improve the correlation so like the four-man onslaught idea with with dak and with josh allen is to try to generate leverage rather than to like improve the correlation of the lineups and i I do think that's how you should be thinking about this slate with rules is like um you i don't know like you could consider just playing one of renfro or waller because they're both going to be massively popular um and that would be a decision you make because of leverage rather than correlation. So that's how I'm thinking about optimizers this week. Yeah. yeah. Don't allow David Montgomery with Dak Prescott or so. Like, I'm not going to do that, but that that's the kind of stuff you want to start talking about. And I probably or just, I wouldn't. You can cap your PO too. like that's a, that's a, yeah, I've got some one. stuff in the article that we'll post on the website has some other ideas for deduping. If you want to like build a little template. Yeah. Um, see, I, I guess also, the, the 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 guy here again who if you're if you're talking about really low percentage outcomes Kenyon Drake has been not getting used at all but he had a run um from week six to week nine where he was getting the ball nice. a ton they were using him way more on passing downs and they're they've gone reverse uh Josh Jacobs has had five receptions and back-to-back games for the first time in his career but we're talking about a four percent owned guy 
who is, um, you know, a, a reasonable chance at, at catching four passes and scoring a touchdown. He also, Kenny Drake also does kick returns. So if you, if you uh, want to add uh, 0. 0.001 equity for him there for the kick return touchdown, you can do that. Sure. Weird that Kenyon Drake would be a kick return. I guess he did it when he was at Alabama, but it's it's so funny. Like I remember when Kenyon Drake was was the young, exciting guy, and now he's the dusty old vet. It's probably it's like somebody back there who can catch the ball. I guess. Yeah, he's probably like twenty six years Zay old. Jones can't catch it. Not even yeah. right. Was was like eighteen months ago. He was the young, like fun guy. That's how poor running backs. Like they just start in and out so so fast. What a brutal job. Yeah. Um. All right. Buffalo at New Orleans. So. Vegas actually has a higher team total than New Orleans, but I think due to the function of the slate, New Orleans players are going to generate more ownership. You know, one, because nope. whoever whoever starts at, at – you don't think so? Yeah, hard to disagree. I mean, maybe the running back position, if there's clear news that comes out, but nobody that's a pass catcher is going to be popular for the Saints. And For good reason. You don't need but... the salary savings at tight ends. Like Juwan Johnson, who's going to start – in place of Trotman, or at least get the pass catching responsibilities. Like he's nobody's going to play these guys. So if there's clear news on Ingram versus Tony Jones, which let's just go into like what that might look like, um, then people might play those guys. But I think that's it. Just the Saints running backs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe this is just colored by my own thinking then, but I want to play, I want to have exposure to Traquan and Deontay and, and Callaway for the swaps. Like I want to have, I want to have lots of room. Um, to be swapping given what may or may not happen with Ingram and Tony Jones. But again, that, that could, we could know Thursday morning that Ingram's not going to play. And then I would go, I would be off of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think basically what would happen if Ingram was out is that Tony Jones would take over the majority of his carries, like maybe half of his targets. And then Ty Montgomery is also expected Sh- to be showdown hero week. Ty Montgomery. So like he, he was starting to play some of the passing reps, before he got hurt when Ingram was starting that first week. So I think Montgomery would take over some of the passing work. And then um, Dwayne Washington, I guess, would get like the 15% of carries or whatnot. So I think that's what things look like. Uh, It's just hard because if you don't have the clear news and hopefully we'll learn something today, it's just hard to build with Ingram because like the swap options are pretty gross too. Yeah. Yeah. The swap options on the Saints Mm -hmm. are, are not great. Speaking of Saints running backs, anyone want to get really weird and uh, cape up for playing less than one percent on Taysom Hill at QB? Well, well, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that wouldn't it be the most Sean Payton thing ever be sure to would. keep it keep it a secret until uh, you know the game starts that Taysom's actually playing quarterback? It sure would That'd be hilarious. I mean, that's uh, I, I forget the name of the reporter, but one of the Saints reporters basically said Simeon's been so dog shit that it's time for, for Peyton to start thinking about it. And I haven't understood this whole time why he hasn't been playing quarterback. Apparently he, I mean, he couldn't practice at all when he got the concussion and then apparently he had a foot injury too, which is why he, the COVID toe. <laughs> he's got, he's got COVID toe, I guess. I don't know, but apparently he, I mean, last week, as far as I can tell was the first time in like three years that he didn't get an offensive touch at all. I, I, he was, he was uh, healthy and playing, but did not get an offensive snap in, in week 11 for the saints, which I, I, as far as I can tell, it's like, that's never happened. So 
either you, you would think that would mean that Sean Payton is over Taysom Hill, and then they just gave him like 40 million bucks this week. So I don't know. Who knows? Definitely a very weird situation. Andrew, I, I actually love this angle. What what an what an what a what a Thanksgiving <laughs> slate that would be for, for, for Taysom to show up and be uh to be the quarterback at, at they needed to make him like flex eligible so you could like swap Mark Ingram out to Taysom Hill. Yeah, that would be cool. It's just you know, it's Thanksgiving, no bad plays basically. But I mean I think the Bills are going a little under rostered. They're I mean, they're gonna get ownership because like they are good plays but josh allen and steph diggs are in that 40 percent optimal probability which is right there with like dak and gallup um and they're getting played at like half the at, at about half the rate so i think it's a pretty strong i i think it's a it's a very strong stack obviously buffalo has been disappointing i wonder how much if like because of all the potential news coming that those ownerships could go up just because the people digs. are going to try to stay for Things will go up because, like, I just looked, you know, through the last couple of years of Thanksgiving slates, and you know, these these top end guys who are the highest in every projection system just usually get ownership. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty consensus that Diggs is the easy wide receiver one on this slate. So it's gonna I be expect... like when Michael Thomas used to be good on Thanksgiving. Now I don't think like Beasley and Sanders, like they, you know, yeah. they've been so average for the past few weeks and like i think those guys will probably be overlooked but probably not digs all right we gotta we gotta talk about the elephant in the room which is zach moss being a healthy scratch in this game and matt Breida being the running back play that you need i'm gonna be the only one brave enough to bring up this possibility also luckily andrew and i play like 300 lineups so in the last two weeks the so so the reason why I say that is I I follow uh, a couple of Bills fans and they have been uh, a couple of them that I follow have been saying like this is going to be a thing like Bre- like Moss <laughs> is going to be Moss is either going to be the clearly the third running back or a potential healthy scratch and that's and pretty funny Breida more I've got one really good friend from home who's a huge Bills fan he texted me this morning Matt Breida Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I I which I think is like when you when you root for a team. And a guy comes out of nowhere and just looks so explosive relative to the other players. It is, it's like, it's the Pollard thing, right? Like, it's not that Zeke is bad. It's just that every time Pollard gets the ball, he looks so much better than Zeke. And I think the same that thing Pete, is true. Pete Overs that tweet was amazing. The like, it, Oh, guy. it really was. Yeah, it was, it was so good. But I, I mean, I think Breed is a very similar thing where he just is so much more explosive than Moss and Singletary. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I will probably, uh, click the button on $4,800 Matt Breida at 2% ownership a in, little bit. In single entry? I, I might, yeah. Especially because, especially because I can get bailed out if the lineup is good and just play Tony Jones or or, or yeah. Ingram. And I can get bailed around. out by playing 300 lineups and saying that these guys are 2% owned. Like Moss, Singletary, Breida, like anywhere from 1% or 0 to 2% owned on each of these guys – and it's very possible Brita takes over the role that Zach Moss had. It's also possible that Moss was going through something that wasn't reported and, you know, ends up back in the role he had for eight weeks or whatever. And so 2% owned guys on a three game slate, like that's, that's gold. So especially well, on like he, teams he that was, are Dak stacks, like, yeah, for sure. Bill's running back. Moss has been banged up off and on a couple times this year. He's been, he's been out a couple times with, with injuries. So I think that, I mean, it, that does seem to be like a real thing and, I mean, look, Brita had Brita had uh, six touches for sixty yards last week, and he scored uh, he scored the two touchdowns the week before on eight snaps. So, 
And Brita has always been this guy. For Brita's entire career, he has always been a guy who has scored touchdowns on uh, you know, limited, limited numbers of touches. I mean, he has multiple two touchdown games in his career with under 10 touches. He's like played. wide receiver fast, I think, right? Isn't that the thing? He was him? a track guy. He was yeah. a he was a, a track guy in college. Like he ran a sub four four, which like fast. running backs are not as fast as wide receivers um, in general. And he is, I believe, wide receiver uh, running back fast or wide receiver fast rather. I think the the two big points here are like a we have NFI, which of these guys is going to do it really? In the last two weeks, they each have two red zone rushing attempts. So. I don't know, but like what Colin was saying, especially, you know, if you're an MME bro, like, you know, like, like I am 2% on each of them. Like, it's just, you got to play 10% each, like who cares? There's, you know, there's no bad plays. One of them's probably going to pull, you know, one of not probably, but there's a very strong chance, you know, a, a greater than 2% each that one of them ends up scoring a touch, you know, even one touchdown is in the conversation. And if one of them scores two, they're definitely optimal. And so, at two percent, what are uh, what are you NME bros doing with defense? Who just truly roulette spinning? Are you making the one are you rule making... I will make is I will not run a quarterback stack into the with defense. his defense with the no, with I'm fine with his defense with the opposing. I won't like I won't. No, play. I I think the opposing defense is good because if Josh Allen throws a pick six, that just that locks him into forty passing attempts. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I I somewhat agree. I'm saying a, a full on quarterback. Like I won't do a quarterback double stack into the opposing defense because that I think is a little too rich. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, if you if you yeah if a guy throws two pick sixes in the first quarter and a half, then hey, great game script the rest of the time. But. Um, yeah, the I wonder, only thing, I'm, I wonder the only if, thing um, I'm stopping is a full quarterback sack into the opposing defense. Other than that, I don't care. I wonder if the Raiders defense is is Raiders defense with the Cowboys double sack actually correlates because the Cowboys, I guarantee it. I know from my heart of hearts what they want to do in this game is they want to run 40 times. And if they get up, they are going to run the air out of the ball. But if they're down, they I mean, they, they've been one of the most game script sensitive teams in terms of pass rate all year. It it does not correlate at all. But if you're trying to get leverage, yeah. In but field, in my mind, it does. Gonna, and that's yeah. all that matters. Like it doesn't correlate at all. It's a huge negative correlation that banks on one thing happening, which is a defensive yeah. special teams touchdown, uh, yeah, which rarely DST happens. TD. So it's like big negative correlation. But well, whatever. Colin, like the field's not going to do that. Like that's why I think Andrew's willing to let it happen. You're you're forgetting that this is a showdown slate. So so when when <laughs> that's why two tight ends and flex. Yeah, well, showdowns, uh, you know, tight ends, uh, fullbacks, you know, I mean, just this is uh, showdown slates are when we get the, the weirdest, most random outcomes. Sean Payton in primetime on a holiday slate definitely screams fuckery is coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to go. I want to go look back at some of the guys who have scored touchdowns for the Saints on Thanksgiving. Like I remember I remember maybe 2018, like Dan Arnold was prominently involved. You know, we've had uh, we've had Josh Hill slates like he just he does. He loves Alex Arma, who I don't even think is on the team anymore, but he loves to do this crap. He, Correlation yeah. is a weird thing, too, um, overall, because like, yeah, obviously a quarterback and the opposing defense is going to correlate strongly negatively, because when that quarterback puts touchdowns on the board, it actively takes points away from the opposing defense. So, yeah. But what Davis is talking about, what Davis is kind of hinting at is like at the extremes, like we're talking about wacky shit happening, like at the extremes, that correlation can be different. So like, I don't think the ceilings are necessarily as negatively correlated as like, yeah, obviously the median, but like when we look at correlation overall, 
you know, like running back and wide running back one and wide receiver one are positively correlated. How often do you guys play this on a main slate, play the same team running back one and wide receiver one? I basically never do that, even though they are positive. Only if there's major price and quirks, like if like the AJ Dillon, Devontae Adams last week was an example where I did. But yeah, I typically don't. I think the point is, though, like on, on the showdown stuff, especially like it the reason it's okay to do that is because the field is grouping that out pretty hard. And if the field's grouping it out hard on this slate too, then it's okay to do that. If the field wasn't taking that into account, you would rather just play the correlation. But I think that's what, you know, that's probably the takeaway here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that seems about right. I mean, I probably the, best dst play is the is the bills right i mean just that they are the best um rob play but they are bears are pretty good too uh yeah but the bears defense stinks like i would i would i i care i care i care that they stink and that they don't generate a ton of pressure um i i i think that that's a better argument so i i think that i think that i would rather because yeah i mean we have the bears uh, pretty significantly more owned than the Bills defense, which I find like I, I would much rather play the Bills, I think. So I, I think part of that is also we have the Saints projected really run heavy. So really run heavy. If you're really run heavy, you're not producing opportunities to sack or have turnovers. And so um which is a which is a weird thing, like we're talking about with the correlation. The teams that pass more are more dangerous to the opposing defense, but they also offer more opportunity for the opposing defense. So even though negative correlation, like they can still, you know, the the thing that is good for the offense is also good for the defense, the opposing defense as far as DFS goes, which is c- counterintuitive. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, like Saints D versus Josh Allen, I think I'd I'd be fine letting happen. Um, same thing with Vegas versus Dak. Like I'm probably like if you're playing golf teams, like are you really also going to play the Bears deep? <laughs> Jared Jared Goff, 310 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Still uh, not good enough. To four, be four, four, four sacks, four, three, four sacks, three, three picks. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, what the Lions have done the fourth quarter blitz twice uh, with Goff, where they they just went nuts in the fourth quarter throwing yeah. passes. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is uh, Andrew? What is your favorite double stack on on the slate? Uh, Josh Allen with Emmanuel time. Sanders, and then who who cares? Like we're getting Manny, Manny Sanders sub ten percent again. I know I've been chasing it forever. I write about it in the Sims all the time. He's like been my basically favorite play of the season, and it's been ugly oftentimes, but huge range of outcomes on him. He gets very high value, very deep targets. He's got to come down with a couple and like, you know, if he does here, he's still less than 10% on a freaking three game slate. Love him. Colin of that stack. I I think similar thesis for me, I would say Dak Prescott with Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz. That's mine. I think basically taking these like elite quarterbacks with huge team totals that are mobile can rush for touchdowns and leaving off the alpha wide receiver. If you want to call Michael Gallup an alpha, but leaving off the most popular wide receiver, you're getting great plays, positive leverage, access to high team totals. Those are like single entry approaches for me. I mean, Michael Gallup is an alpha. Michael Gallup is is underrated. Um, and and he he is obviously gonna be extreme chalk. But if he if he settles in at closer to like 50% than 70%, 
Um, I, I think that is a little bit of a mistake because he is, he, you know, I think he's yeah. got a huge, I think he's got a huge ceiling here. You only asked for my double stack though, because we all know I'm, I'm trying to triple stack these. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on, I'm totally with you on, on Cedric and Schultz. Schultz is my favorite um, in a vacuum play of, of the slate, considering what I expect his role to be and what I expect his, his ownership to be. And also, um, you know, it just gets you into some, some good combinations. So uh, that'll, that'll do it. Um, you know, we will have the alerts for and actives for all these games on Thanksgiving. The projections will be updated, uh, and, and, uh, the main slate stuff will be coming as well. Uh, so everyone enjoy your Thanksgiving and, uh, we'll be back soon. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.